that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Wednesday hump day edition of the sports talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Had a lot of fun yesterday out at Easton Sports Cards where we did a live broadcast. The whole 1450 Sports Buzz crew was out there. For the afternoon, we're back in our respected studios today for today's show. It's a a nice day in the city of Louisville. Haven't been out too much, been working a little bit, so uh, we're going to have a a fun show today. It's going to be a promise that we we won't get in maybe some off-topic discussions today, but we'll have to, uh, we'll just have to see. Uh, World Cup game is tomorrow. By the time that we do this show tomorrow we will know the united states fate in the world cup whether or not they're eliminated or they have advanced to the round of 16 if they beat germany lost to germany or tie to germany that's kind of scary to think about by the time we do this show tomorrow all that will have been decided for those united states soccer fans that have been invested over the past four years it's been a long journey and it's crazy to think in a 90 minute match it can end just like that but that's, the, that's what's at stake tomorrow, and more and more writers and, and media members nationally and locally are letting their voices be heard on whether or not the United States should play for a draw and this and that. We talked about Dan Wetzel's article, I think that was on Monday, just uh, a ridiculous notion. He listed all the reasons why the United States shouldn't play for a draw. Most of them were pretty comical in my opinion. And then he wrote another column today, basically talking about there's more to this game than just, uh, than, than just a soccer match that goes much deeper than that. There's so many German Americans on this team, on the United States team that could have very well played for the Germany national team at, at some point in their career, how Jurgen Klinsmann played for Germany, coached Germany, and now he's going against his old, old squad. It's just not a game is what he was trying, what uh, Dan Wetzel was trying to to get his point across. And basically talking about because of those reasons, there shouldn't be a draw. I've come to the point that Dan Wetzel does not, would be furious with a draw. He's going to be very disappointed if there's a draw. He is rooting hard against a draw. Would much rather see America lose than for them to play with a draw, which is pretty funny to me. I don't know how much... Dan Wetzel knows about soccer. He's down in in South America, which is more than I can say. But Greg Doyle, a a respected writer that a lot of UK fans enjoy and read his work. He's He's a big Calipari fan, so I think those two probably go hand in hand. He came out with a similar type of article saying he would rather the United States lose with pride than tie than try to uh, make a mutual agreement with Germany to tie because it's not honorable. And it's the same stuff as Dan Wetzel is saying. Uh, Greg Doyle made a few more points, uh, more valid points in my opinion. His his whole argument was just that it's there's no honor or there's no shame if the United States were to lose to Germany in a in a high in a competitive game and then if things didn't work out the way that you would hope 
in the Germany or in the Ghana, excuse me, Ghana Portugal match, and the United States were to go home, then at least he left everything out on the pitch. I thought he did a better job of making those points than Dan Wetzel, in my opinion, but it still it still doesn't make sense to me. It's still a stupid argument. I'd much rather the United States put pride, national pride aside for being able to establish more national pride longer into this tournament. And we'll talk more about that later on in the show, or at least we'll come back to that momentarily. I want to talk about some other topics that we're going to get to today. Uh, a pair of football commit or a pair of football targets, UK targets, big UK targets, are making their decision on Saturday. Catsillustrated.com. Uh, we've had that. Uh, we have it. Justin Rowland has it all covered on on what these what these guys are going to do, what he's hearing, what sources are telling him. It's Darius Fullwood and Jabari Greenwood, uh, a four-star defensive end. Fullwood is and a three-star wide receiver. Greenwood, they're from the they're from Maryland, Washington D.C. around that area. They're going to announce together, and they uh, they both have their own list of schools. There's only a few that are in common. And that's Kentucky and Maryland. So if they were, they are announcing together, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're announcing the same school. But if they did announce the same school, it would likely be Kentucky or Maryland, although Virginia Tech's in the running and there's some other schools uh, separately in the running for both of them. So that's a big day for UK, both nationally ranked at their position, according to rivals. And Kentucky, again, we talked about earlier this week how they had some momentum earlier this spring. Things were looking promising and then no commits for some time. Didn't a lot of people weren't committing, but then when people did start to commit, it wasn't to Kentucky, it was to Louisville, it was to Tennessee, it was to rival programs. Kentucky was missing out on some guys, which hasn't been the case for the most part for Stoops. Uh, This would be a huge get if they could land both these guys or even just one of these guys come Saturday. But, and there's plenty more to talk about. We're going to talk a lot about the NBA draft. Uh, there's some Courier Journal guys, Kyle Tucker, Adam Adam Simmelbach in New York. We're going to try to talk to Kyle Tucker of the Courier Journal tomorrow. They spoke with James Young and Julius Randle today in New York. It was media day. We're going to talk more about the draft today. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, and then the draft is tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a big Thursday for sports fans. You've got, the obviously, the United States World Cup game match whatever you'd like to call it. Tiger Woods finally returns to the golf course. Supposedly he played in a pro-am today and did not look too hot. But that's okay. Uh, he gets back in a competitive golf match tomorrow. And then, of course, you have the NBA draft. I don't know if I'm missing anything else in terms of sporting news for tomorrow. And obviously there's some other World Cup games, as there are some other World Cup games going on here at the end of the 3 o'clock hour starting at four, and then there were some ones earlier today, Argentina going undefeated in group play, three wins, beating Nigeria, three to two, and then Iran goes down three to one. That wasn't too much excitement for me in these early games, besides Messi just being, I think, the best player in the world. Uh, if I could take any soccer player, I think that's the one I would probably go with as of today. And I don't, I, you know, I'm probably not really going out on a limb by saying that. But later today, Ecuador and France play, and then Honduras and Switzerland. So those will be some games to watch. I was looking at the bracket for the World Cup, and if the United States wins, what it could mean. If they tie or lose, if they end up second in the group, what it what it could look like. 
basically, there's no easy draw for the United States once you get to the round of 16. And that's probably the way it should be. You're down to 16 teams across the entire world playing for the greatest trophy in sports. Obviously, there shouldn't be any easy games. So if the United States were to finish second in their group to Germany tomorrow, they're likely to play Belgium in the round of 16. I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves and we can preview these games if they are to happen because this time tomorrow, this could all be just stupid stuff to talk about because the United States could be knocked out. But they could play Belgium. If they were to beat Belgium, they could play Argentina. And then if they were to beat Argentina to move on into the semifinals, they could play the Netherlands. And then if they were to beat the Netherlands and go to the finals, they could play Brazil. That's a pretty tough road. I'd say that is a tougher road than UK's NCAA tournament road. That is all, all those teams ranked in the top 15. I, I don't know exactly where Belgium ranked, but they would be the odd team out in those rankings. But they're, I think, a top 15 club or country regardless. I want to say maybe they're 11th. But that would be a, a very tough road. The alternative is to win the group, and then you get uh, – it depends who finishes second in Belgium's group, which I can't think of which team – that would be, I guess, uh, would be maybe possibly Russia, possibly South Korea, maybe. I'm having a tough time figuring it out right now. I'll try to pull it up. But then you'd get to play, you get to play one of those teams in the first match, which would certainly be easier than Belgium. You'd get to play France in the second match, which would be. That would be easier than Argentina, no doubt about that, although France is a good team within itself. And the semis, if it went chalk, you'd get to play Brazil in Brazil. I think that would be the toughest team you'd have to face. Algeria is the other team that could that United States could play Algeria if they were to win their group. If the United States were to win their group, they could play Algeria in the first round, Algeria or Russia. But... So then you get to play Brazil in the semifinals. I think, that, again, you want to avoid that game at all costs. But in the semifinals, I don't think you can be too picky. And then in the in the World Cup championship, you'd play likely the Netherlands or Argentina. Again, all tough teams. So there's no real easy draw. Obviously, winning the group, you could possibly you have a, a, a slightly easier road to the semifinals. But again, that would involve having to beat Germany. That's the only way the United States can have uh, an easier road is to beat Germany tomorrow. And I, I've thought about this every which way. I'm not sure how, what their, what their game plan is going to be. And so much has been made about Klinsmann and and how he wants to beat Germany. And I, I've watched all his interviews and. I, 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 to a point, I do believe him that this is a very important game to him. He, he said he's going to sing the Germany national anthem. He's going to hug every member of the German national team before the game, after the game, regardless of the result. But he's going there to attack and prove that the United States can play with Germany and also that they can win this group. I'm not so sure. I, I think he might be talking a big game here. I think they're going to go out. And they're going to play similar to how they played against Ghana for the most part. Of course, they got that early goal against Ghana in the third in, in in the first minute. But after that, they basically said, "All right, Ghana, the only way you're going to score is if we had a breakdown." And sure enough, the United States did have a breakdown late in that game. 
But from an attacking standpoint, the United States was fine letting Ghana have the majority of the possession as long as they didn't make things easy for them. And for 80 minutes in that game, they didn't make anything easy for them. So I think that's what you're going to see them do off the off the kickoff to start tomorrow is just the United States is going to bring people back. They're going to take advantage of some chances if they have some, but they're not going to definitely spread themselves out then. That's my opinion on what they're going to do. That's what I think you're going to see tomorrow. And I think that's a smart thing to do. I'm getting so sick of people being all high and mighty over the United States being uh, of such a proud country that it's uh, unbelievable to think that they could draw with Germany uh, just to advance to the next round. People that are saying that do not understand soccer. And I'm not some soccer expert either, either, but I understand the magnitude of this World Cup, the position that the United States that they're in. It's all about surviving in advance. I don't get why in the NCAA tournament, and this is this is, also happens in the NCAA tournament, but let's say Kentucky is a is a, a one seed. We've seen some one seeds that we've never seen a one seed lose lose to a sixteen seed, but we've seen plenty of sixteen seeds make one seed sweat and make the games competitive and even come down to the last minute before. But guess what? At the end of the day. Those one seeds, regardless of how pretty it looked, they advance and they live to fight another day. No matter how many things go wrong in that game, you move on. If the United States can tie, no matter how many things go wrong in that game, they move on. No matter how ugly it looks, no matter if the United States played the softest style that they could possibly play, they're moving on to the next round and are going to live to play another game and get another crack at moving further in this tournament that the United States has had virtually no success in, especially in the last 50 years, that's what this is all about. Now, Greg Doyle, I I talked about his article. What he's saying is he doesn't want them to agree to a draw. And and I think a lot of people don't want them to agree to a draw. Again, if they ever did, we would never know about it. If they don't, then if they, we probably they're saying they don't, and that's what they have to say. So if it were to happen, we'd never know about it. And I guess maybe if they just kick the ball around from start to finish, and and you could certainly tell, I could, I could understand why that bothers some people, but it's still wrong in my opinion. It, it's all about the United States moving on, but. I think they're going to do a good enough job if they do draw that you won't be able to tell. And, and Greg Doyle said that he, he, unlike Dan Wetzel, he actually acknowledged the fact that even if both sides don't try to draw, that that could be a likely outcome. That happens a lot in soccer, so at least he acknowledged that point. But I think if it's not going to be an ugly ugly match, but if, again, if it is, then good for the United States. And then we don't even haven't even brought up the point of. Portugal and Ghana, they can make this whole situation a lot easier by just those two teams tying and the United States not having to worry about what's going on in their game. But again, you don't want to, you don't, you want to control your own fate. A win would go a long way. Like I talked about, they'd have a bit of an easier road, but beggars can't be choosers. And when it comes to World Cup, the United States are, are beggars in a sense, and they need to do whatever they can to get to the next round. And if that means playing a defensive ugly game to get there, I'm fine with that. More than fine with that. And by this time tomorrow, we're going to be talking about just that game 
what happened, what went right, what went wrong, and what the future of the United States soccer team is. And I think we all hope that that future is another game just a few days later. I, I think the games are set for June 30th and July 1st. I don't know. I think if the United States were to finish second in the group, it'd be the 30th. And if they were to win, it'd be the first. But I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, e- either way, uh, it'd be uh, th- that's round of 16, being able to make it to the knockout stage would be unbelievable. The United States has never gone two consecutive World Cups making it to the next round. So we'll talk about it. Also, we'll talk about where to watch the game tomorrow. What There's an interesting tweet out there that uh, caught my attention. So we'll talk more about that when we come back from our first break here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Stick around. Listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. See the Sports Buzz. Yates, I didn't hear much from you in the first segment. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine, TJ. I wasn't going to interrupt your uh, your rant there. So, well, if go. you're not if you're not interrupting, I guess you can agree. With, then you agree with me to some extent, or no? Ah, uh, that's probably fair to say. Okay, uh, probably no original takes. We do have Clay B one sixteen tweeting into the show, and this this made me crack up during the break. He said, "I really hope it's a draw. It'll be fun for the next couple of days with all the conspiracy theories going around. People drive themselves crazy over something they can't prove." I, I that's a that's kind of a good point. And as much as I want to see the United States win and move on to the next round, it would be absolutely hilarious for it to end up in a situation, like I said, just a, a game that has its competitive moments, but for the most part is is relatively conservative and ends up in a draw just so people freak out, just so Dan Wetzel goes crazy, just so Greg Doyle has to question, is this United States soccer team a true American soccer team, which is just so ridiculous to me. I, I, I agree with you, Clay. I hope it ends up in a draw just so people freak out and people get all worked up about it. And the, th- and the thing is, if I had I, – I'll make my prediction. I guess I'll do it right now. It, it, who cares? I, I, I do think Germany is going to win. I do think they're the better team. But it's not crazy for me to predict it being a draw. If that happens, I'm not going to be surprised one bit just because the United States is good. Ghana's a really good team, and they beat Ghana. Portugal ranked fourth in the world. Now they were without some people, but they outplayed Portugal for 94 minutes. Should have beat Portugal. They tied. Even tying Portugal is fine. The United States men's soccer team is good. They can beat Germany, and they can certainly tie Germany while trying to beat Germany without trying to make it a conspiracy. Tying's a real possibility, and I hope they do that just so people freak out. Even though it would give the United States. Uh, second in the group, at least they advance, and I think anybody would be okay with that. But just for the drama, just for people crying and whining, let's go ahead and just hope they tie and everybody freaks out about it. But that's a, that's a good tweet, Clay. I'm glad you, you sent that in. 
anyways, we talked a little bit about UK football and the two guys possibly deciding this weekend. You can go to catsillustrated.com and they have Justin Rowland has, has covered that top to bottom on what those people, what those players plan on doing. Uh, if you can get Darius Fullwood, a defensive end, to commit, then that position is kind of locked down for the uh, for the foreseeable future, which is what big programs do. You don't really it, it happens everywhere from time to time, but for the most part, you have your positions locked in to where a guy comes in as a freshman, is able to redshirt, contributes a little bit his redshirt freshman year, plays a little bit more his sophomore year, and then starts his junior, senior year, gets significantly more playing time his junior year. And then you're able to do that, and you're able to transition these other players in so every year you don't have to start a true freshman or even a redshirt freshman in some situations. Now that, again, that does happen certain situations throughout college football, but Kentucky was at a spot where they were starting true freshmen all around last season. And it's just not a good situation. Those are not what good teams do. And that's why Kentucky's only won four games last two seasons. So they can get a defensive end. You've got Hatcher there. You've got Ware. you've got a good core of guys. And I'm even missing some, you're able to bring those guys in, transition them. They're going to be that much better for it. Fullwood's a very solid player. And then Jabari Greenwood, wide receiver. Uh, wide receivers have been a priority for Kentucky on the recruiting trail since Stoops and Neil Brown took over this Kentucky football team. For this class, right now you've got Alex Stump, who's a, who's a very highly coveted wide receiver. Some UK fans are worried that he might flip. You have him committed. Just for this 2015 class, it's early, obviously. And then if you can add a guy like Greenwood, then you're you're setting yourself up for a, for a solid class. And again, you have to have a lot of bodies in this Kentucky Neil Brown air raid offense. You got to bring guys in. You got to bring guys out every play. So you, you, you need to be deep at the position right now. Kentucky not super deep. That's going to be an area of concern heading into this year. They're getting deeper but still not where Neil Brown wants it to be. So that'll be interesting to see. NBA draft, we t- I mentioned it earlier in the show. Tomorrow night, the dreams of all these players, a lot of them one and dones. A lot of them, I covered parts of their recruitment, which kind of bums me out knowing that uh, over just about a year ago, I was covering some of these guys in the McDonald's All-American game, and they were just normal high school kids and now they're about to have instantly have more money than there's a good chance I'm ever going to uh, accumulate myself. Kind of a bummer, but that's the way it works. I wasn't uh, born with great basketball skill or great size and freakish athletic ability, but as is life, I'm, uh, I'm very happy to be able to do a radio show talking about all those guys and how much money they're going to make without me getting super sad about it. But draft tomorrow, an interesting player, and there's a a bit of a storyline here, is Dante Exum, Australian guard who looked great in some of those Hoop Summit games, really kind of looked a lot better than the Harrison Twins in those games. You can make what what you will of that, just one All-Star game. But looked fantastic, has great highlight tapes, uh, was really... a top recruit, kind of a quiet top recruit for during the season. That's when he made a lot of buzz. 
turns out to uh, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before. Turns out that he said that if he were to have gone to college, where he would be playing this upcoming season, he would have gone to IU in Indiana, which would have been just an unbelievable get for Tom Crean. Would have been a huge boost for IU, who's looking like they might be a little bit better than last year, but they're losing Noah Vonley, their best player, so maybe not, but it certainly would have been a huge boost for their team if they were able to get him. Kentucky was recruiting him. Kentucky wanted him, and it came out today that John Calipari offered where he could join the team for the second semester of last season, so he could have been a part of that national title run and had been playing. Now, a guy like Dante Exum, who is a, a very who's a quick guard, can get in the paint, can kind of get anywhere he wants on the court. I now here's my here's the up and down of this. I do think obviously he would have helped UK. I don't think UK ends up with an eight seed if you have Dante Exum playing. He's a six four guard, a six really six six. Uh, with shoes. Uh, I was reading the one without shoes, which he's going to be obviously playing basketball in shoes. So uh, he's a six, six guard. He's big. He's just like the Harrisons, but he's, he's quicker than the Harrisons. You have him. I don't think Kentucky gets an eight seed. Uh, maybe that changes the, their whole course of the tournament and they don't make the national title se- national title game. Cause they run into somebody else that, that beats them on that particular day. But my whole point is while Kentucky would have been better, with Exum. I don't know if they win the national title with Exum. The only way they win the title with Exum, if they get in that title game and they have him and they're playing UConn, of course, these are all hypotheticals. They're playing UConn. The only way they win that is if he's able to shut down Napier, if he's able to play a lot better. And I do think he's probably, I mean, he is a better defender than the Harrisons. But he that's the only way Kentucky wins that game if you stop Napier. And I don't think anybody was going to be able to do that on that night. All up to that sh- all up to that game on the shows, heading into final four week, we talked about how this Kentucky, how that Kentucky team was destined to to win a title. It was destiny that they kept hit, hitting those big shots. Well, again, UConn had their own destiny type deal, and theirs just happened to be bigger, and Napier was a big reason for that. So I don't think, even with Dante Exum, Kentucky fans have kind of been talking about it. Even with Dante Exum, I don't think they win the national title. Again, they, they I don't think they're an eight seed. I think they end up being a four seed. They don't lose a lot of the, the silly games they lost last season, but... In the, in the grand scheme of things, that was UConn's title. And Kentucky came close. And maybe on a different night, if some of the Kentucky's players play better, maybe something different happens, but it would have had to start. It started and ended with stopping Napier. So w- with that being said, Napier is going to get drafted. He's going to get a good draft spot. He's going to uh, he's going to do well for himself. I, I don't think I, I would want a guy that's more proven against some of the best in college basketball on a night in night out basis, or at least high school basketball where they're going against their peers. I, I like I said, I wouldn't risk a, a pick on Joel Embiid. I don't think I'd risk a top 10 pick unless I absolutely needed a guard. I don't think I'd risk a top 10 pick on Dante Exum. And also this might be why I'm not, not an NBA scout, but, I want I want to see these guys 
proving themselves against the best night in, night out. And Exum hasn't done that. Doesn't mean he can't be a great guard. He could be. I think he will be a good guard. But these guys that are drafting for the NBA teams are drafting for their jobs. You continue to mess up in Cleveland drafting Anthony Bennett, number one. If they mess up this pick, people are going to get fired for it. I don't think you can really mess up Andrew Wiggins or Jabari Parker. But then again, if for, if Andrew Wiggins turns into a guy that's just a eight and eight guy and Jabari Parker averages 20 and 12, then that is kind of messing up the pick. We look at it right now and you can make cases for both guys. But both seem compelling. Both seem like they're, they're going to be good pros. But they're important picks. And I just don't know if I'd make that important of a pick with Dante Exum, in my opinion. But anyways, interesting stuff to say that he probably would have gone to IU. Things would be drastically different. Uh, certainly more optimistic for IU heading into this upcoming season. Interesting to hear that he could have been a part of Kentucky's national title run. Certainly would have changed things for Kentucky to some aspect, but my, in my opinion, it would have brought a national title to Kentucky. Julius Randle and, and James Young have been talking. A, a lot has been made about Julius Randle skipping a Boston Celtics workout to do a, a GQ cover shoot interview. He said that wasn't true on, on KSR. He also told that to Kyle Tucker. He said basically that he had already worked out for the Boston Celtics. He didn't see the need to to work out for them again. And interview with GQ had nothing to do with it. That was a, a 10 or 15 minute interview. Wouldn't have wasted him any time anywhere. So interesting. There's a man. Julius Randall has had a busy off season, uh, a build up to the draft. With his foot, with this and that. I think Julius Randle's going to drop a little bit in the draft, which is kind of disappointing. I think the team that gets him is going to uh, to be lucky to have him. But I think he's going to drop a little bit. His workouts have supposedly been pretty pretty solid. But the whole foot thing, and it was easy to kind of pick apart the flaws of his game at Kentucky. Because he, he didn't really drastically improve. You look at him in, in game two against Michigan State last year where he takes over the game in the second half and looks unbelievable versus how he looked in the NCAA tournament. He was still good at the things he was good at then than he was late in that tournament, and he was still was his flaws were still still flaws, obviously. Now, I do think he got better. He didn't rely on that spin move as much. He was able to adjust when teams learned how to play him. He did get better. That's not my point. But he still, you know, he, he didn't really develop an outside shot. And that's tough to, I'm not saying that that's Randall's fault. I'm not saying that's Calipari's fault. That's tough for any player to do during the year. But it was easy to pick apart his game, I, I feel. And so I think he's going to drop a little bit in the draft. But I would be I'd be thrilled if he ended up in Boston. I think that'd be a great pick. James Young said today to to Kyle Tucker that if he had the number one pick overall, he said, forget Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker. He would have taken not himself, 
but Julius Randle, which was kind of a cool quote to see. Again, that's James, James Young gets play it gets will get paid to play basketball and not make those type of decisions, and then it would be kind of silly to take Julius Randle number one. Although I do think Julius Randle is going to be a great pro. I do think he's going to be a sure thing. But I again, I also think Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker are probably going to be sure things as well, and also probably have higher ceilings. At least Andrew Wiggins will have high, a higher ceiling than Julius Randle. So interesting stuff. We'll talk more about the draft tomorrow with Kyle Tucker, who is planning on coming on. He's up, busy up in New York, so we'll have to see if we can make that happen. But that will be good. Turning attention to college football for a second, Georgia and Notre Dame agree to a home-and-home home starting in 2017. It'll be at Notre Dame and then a return game in 2019 at Georgia. Good for Notre Dame and good for Georgia. You don't see this stuff as much as you should, and football teams are kind of afraid to play because a loss can mean so much in college football. A loss can mean you're not winning the national title. And happy to see more games like this. Kind of brings me up if, if for Kentucky fans. I'm curious, if Kentucky didn't play Louisville and the SEC stayed at eight games and you were able to pick any opponent you wanted to play. I guess you could theoretically do this with Louisville and just make the schedule a little bit harder. But who would you want to see Kentucky play? You can play any team in the country. Home and home. You got to go there. They got to come here. You can also take into account recruiting. Maybe you go to an area that you want to establish your brand. Where do you go? I think, and this, uh, this uh, you want to, in my opinion, you don't necessarily want to just play for a win. I feel a lot of people, a lot of UK fans tell me that they want the IU series renewed because they can beat IU and it's a fun rivalry game. Yes, Kentucky can beat IU, but they also could lose to IU. And a loss to IU, I don't think, goes as far as beating Indiana. So you want somebody, I, I think you want to risk it and you want to leave your mark by trying to beat a big program. Obviously, you'd go for that win for the home game and then you know the, the, the home and home, the one on the road would be just another game. You'd probably, for Kentucky, you'd just probably assume that's a loss and move on. But I think the team would be Oregon because one, Kentucky and Oregon are battling for recruits. Oregon feels that they, and they do, they do have the facilities, uh, best, I've heard the best facilities in college football. They do have the facilities to be able to go at any recruit in the country, regardless of location, and say, hey, come to Oregon. We know it's far away, but our facilities are better than anywhere you're going to go. You're going to get treated better as a football player here than anywhere you're going to go. Forget about location. And it works. It works a lot of the time. But I think it'd be just from a from a Nike perspective to have Oregon and Commonwealth Stadium to be able to beat them. They're one of the hottest and hippest flavor of the month football programs in college football. Again, I don't know if you can beat Oregon this in this hypothetical situation. It depends when this game takes place. But if you're able to beat them, that would have everybody. Everybody knows Oregon because their uniforms. So you'd have recruits in Kentucky. 
believing that Kentucky is moving in the right direction. You'd have all the recruits in Ohio that Kentucky loves to get, and the few in the South, the the, the high, the uh, not more than a few, the majority of recruits in the South that Kentucky still goes after. It would it would go a long way for Kentucky, and I think, and also you have to take into consideration another team that I would consider is Ohio State. Just if you beat them in Ohio, then recruits certainly have to consider going to Kentucky when Ohio State offers. But my only problem is if you play, and it would go both ways, but you play up in, in Columbus, you're going to have it, you're going to have a lot of Kentucky fans go up there. It's going to be a good Kentucky crowd. But when you come down to Commonwealth Stadium, it's going to be over 30% Ohio State fans. I didn't want to say quite 40, but it, it would be closer to 40 than closer to 30. And you don't want that. You don't want that in a home and home. Oregon would bring some fans. And you'd have the fair weather Oregon fans that are in the surrounding areas coming to that game. But you, that's why that's why my answer isn't Ohio State. Because then those that home game wouldn't feel too much like a home game. Anyways, fun hypothetical. Let me know what you think. You can tweet into the show at T Walker Rivals. Getting nervous. Getting nervous for tomorrow. I don't I don't like this feeling. Again, I, I feel like a, a nine-year-old watching I feel like a nine-year-old fan watching basketball when it comes to this World Cup team. I'm no expert in, in soccer, but I'm I'm just too invested in this in this team and it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow. We're gonna head to our last commercial break here on 1450 the Sports Buzz. So listen to these commercials and we will be right back here on 1450 the Sports Buzz. To the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. Should be. Uh, it's been a. It, it, we haven't strayed too much on today's show. Want to remind everybody that you can download our app and listen to the Sports Buzz in crystal clear digital quality. Search 1450 The Sports Buzz in the iTunes App Store or Android Market, depending on which phone you have. Max called chatter at Allen Hennessy at 4794085 for all your home, auto, and life needs. Yates, I guess what's your prediction tomorrow? Let's get let's get to it. Uh I'm gonna predict a draw. A draw. So yes. you think it is gonna be a, a draw and the United States moves on. Is it a scoreless draw? Is it one one? Give me a little more details. I'll, I'll go one one, and I, one. I don't think it's like going to be some sort of prearranged draw. I think it's just going to be, I think it's going to be a tie game, and it's going to get late. And at that point, then I think you're probably going to see some boring soccer as neither one of the teams tries well, to make a push to win. Here's the good the good news for the United States, and it's kind of going off your point is that basically. The United States has to just play towards the 70th minute, in my opinion. If you're tied in the 70th minute, I do agree with you. I don't think either side is going to 
try to go. At least I don't think Germany is going to go in for the kill at that point. Maybe the United States does. I don't think they will. But if you're the 70th minute and you're tied with Germany, what what does Germany have to gain by being aggressive at that point? They're already first in the group with a tie. Now they're not first in group with a loss. So if they think the United States is playing to win, Germany's going to bring everybody back. So the United States just needs to get it. But here's here's the kicker is if the United States is down Germany in the 70th minute. Again, at this point, Germany doesn't really have anything to play for. Not only are they winning, but they're going through regardless. They're first in the group winning or tied. So at that point, they could be a little disinterested. A lot, again, is made. A lot of people are trying to make. A, a big deal out of the Jurgen Klinsmann, German, American deal, and, and Germany might have some, might want to beat him. But they won't have much to play for that situation either. And that's when the United States has everything to play for. So it's going to be a huge attack from the Americans trying to get that equalizer. Germany, if they let one in, they let one in. Big whoop for them. So I think regardless, as long as the United States isn't down by two or more come the 70th minute, it's going to, either they're going to be tied, and I think at that point it's going to end in a tie, or the United States is going to go ultra offense if you're playing FIFA on your PS3, and they're going to find another goal just because Germany, not that they're going to allow it, but it'll, you know, you keep knocking on the door, eventually something's going to answer, so... I, 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 but in my opinion, I say all this. I think Germany's going to win. I hope I'm wrong. I still think the United States gets through because I'm not so sure Ghana beats Portugal to begin with. But I, I, I think Germany wins. I hate saying that. I hope they don't. But we'll just have to see, even if Germany does win, what the United States does. Now, the, the bigger question. Just kidding. It's not really the bigger question as to where to watch the game tomorrow, because uh, obviously you've got the place where the American outlaws, the United States support group, they go to Saints in St. Matthews. You can always go to Diamonds. Great place to to watch a game. Plenty of cluckers. Roosters, plenty of good places. But. Out of nowhere, the KFC Yum Center says that they're going to have the game on their big screens tomorrow, and they're inviting everybody out to the plaza, and they're saying BYO beverages and food. Do you think that means you can bring your own beer, Yates? Um, I guess that probably depends a lot on what the uh, alcohol rules are in, in the city of Louisville and the state of Kentucky. Well... There are. I'm not, I'm not sure what open container laws are as far as carrying them around on the street. The open container, uh, you can't have an open container in Kentucky or Louisville unless you're in a designated area. And the designated area in Louisville is 4th Street. So I guess the plaza would technically be a no-go because that's not in 4th Street Live's entertainment district. But the, I think the answer comes down to how cool are the cops going to be. 
But I think that was I think that's awesome that the Yum Center is doing that to begin with. I don't know where I'm going to end up. I mean, I've got to do a radio show an hour after, anyways, so I can't stray too far. But it's a cool idea. I kind of wish the waterfront would have just put up a huge screen like you see in Chicago for all all the games. I wish they would have done that for all the games. I think that would have been a nice touch. But not to be, but again, the Yump Center is going to do it. It would be a, you bring a lawn chair, you maybe bring a, a six pack. It's not a bad idea. So we'll see. We'll, we'll have plenty to talk about tomorrow. Whatever you do, try to take a long lunch break. If you're at work listening, try to just, yeah, just take a two hour lunch break. Make up an excuse. I'm, I'm really good at making up excuses when it comes to not working. So if you need any, any help, just ask me. I can come up with some for you. Some TV information for the Bahamas tour. Dakari Safari, as it's unofficially being called. All the games will, will be on the ESPN network. All the games are going to start at 1 o'clock. So those fans trying to, that won't be able to make the trip to Atlantis in the Bahamas, which would be just such an, such an awesome trip to be able to make. We'll be able to watch all the games. Again, all the games are going to be at 1 o'clock, so a lot of them are going to be during the week, so you might also have to take long lunch breaks during those games. But three of them on ESPNU, the other three on SEC Network, which, again, that it's going to, it doesn't launch till August 14th, so it's going to be some, some new stuff, some of the first programming on SEC Network. And DirecTV doesn't have an SEC network at this point. So interesting. Interesting stuff. So that's where you're going to be able to watch that trip, but that's a long way away. Again, no Trey Lyles, no Willie Cauley-Stein for that trip. Saw pictures of Willie Cauley-Stein's uh, ankle that he had surgery on. It looks still pretty gnarly, pretty gross. So probably a good idea to keep him out for that. It still kind of looks swollen, which I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I'm not sure if that should be the case. Anyways, thanks for listening. Go USA, hopefully talk about a United States win tomorrow, and I'll be wrong. I'll be happy to eat that crow, but enjoy the game. Thanks for listening today on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Kentucky home. Oh, they say what?